So you've reached the age of zero energy, zero sex drive, and zero weight loss, and you wake up every morning with aches and pains. You're not alone. There is help with Nava Health. Nava Health's technology-driven approach goes beyond symptoms to find the root cause. Nava medical experts will create a customized plan to help you feel your best at every age. Visit navacenter.com forward slash POD to learn more or call 855-680-6282 today. Don't put off feeling as good as you can. Call 855-680-6282. Results may vary. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Nick Cage Fight Podcast, where we watch Nicolas Cage movies, primarily remakes of foreign action films, uh, like the one that we're doing today, uh, Bangkok Dangerous, wrapping this up from where we left it off uh, last time after one of four kills uh, and a, a trip to a pharmacy. I'm one of your hosts, Josh, joined as always by Rich and Ryan. How are we feeling, guys? Feeling a little bit dangerous. Maybe a little bit Bangkok as well. There you go. <laughs> Ditto. I still can't get over my original spelling. Uh, the the note's name is still the misspelling, just to shame me. Cool. <laughs> and it's deserved. <laughs> I'm going to put that in the first upload. That's fair. <laughs> Josh misspelled this the exact way you think he did. Exactly. <laughs> I mentioned it to somebody who was like, uh, I, I misspelled Bangkok. And they just looked at me and I was like, I misspelled it exactly how you thought I would. And they're like, yeah, it doesn't have any C's in it. And I was like, <laughs> I imagine my surprise. <laughs> um, so where we last left Joe, he was going into a pharmacy to get some disinfectant but little did he know it was going to change the course of this job maybe i i felt like there should have been some like acoustic rock over this like a uh like a rom-com when the two main characters meet for the first time yeah in the um in the thai version it's like uh like a very subtle <laughs> hor- horn section with some nice strings in the background oh there you go yeah that's appropriate yeah Oh no, I want like like ants marching by fucking Dave Matthews band or something. Like just some generic acoustic rock that dictate that like, you know, lets the audience know that these two people are gonna fall in love. Or to uh like localize it for New Jersey, some Daphne loves Derby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking so... simple starving to be safe playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, Joe is looking for disinfectant, but uh, the woman working at the counter is deaf. So he shows her his wounded shoulder so she understands what he's looking for. And uh, she pantomimes instructions as to how to take the meds. Joe is clearly smitten. I, I say it sort of like cavalierly, but this is this is a bit of kudos to Nick Cage because it's not. I would say like over-directed. He does a good job of showing. He's like, wow, I really like that lady. Probably because she couldn't hear anything I was saying. (laughs) (laughs) But from there, we cut to Kong, who is back at the club. And he has bought uh, a pair of fancy earrings for the dancer that he's been uh, working with as a courier. Oh, he's Um, trying to drink this girl, isn't he? I don't want to ask the context. Uh, of that because it could mean a number of things drake just falls in love with strippers i'd mean it in the uh the 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 not horrific way 
I, I was then you might want to to switch it up. <laughs> uh, uh, saying saying like uh, what was it? It was it was T Pain's song to fell in love with a stripper. You could have gone T Pain. He hasn't I been canceled yet. Could have. If T Pain ever gets canceled, I'm gonna be very sad. Yeah, same. Because that means I cannot <laughs> listen to like half the discography of the Lonely Island anymore. That man fucked would, the mermaid. I would never be able to watch Freaknik the musical again. And I fucking love Freaknik the musical. <laughs> Have that on yeah. DVD. T Pain, just don't don't do anything that would make us sad please i agree with that ryan have you have you seen freaknik i, I, I have didn't... not no i have to lend it to you okay that's fair okay we'll, we'll have a uh media like swap day i'll hand you a pile of books you hand me that a hundred percent and <laughs> I, I can't believe you haven't seen it i have a very busy weekend but i've got to figure out how to get you this dvd <laughs> all right solid <laughs> so on his way back to joe with the latest package kong is uh, knocked off of his uh, scooter uh, by a gang he apparently owes money to. I was a little disappointed that they never elaborate on this story because the like lead guy is like wearing a uh, like a denim jacket and has kind of like a Fu Manchu mustache <laughs> and like a helmet on. They look like an interesting cast of characters. But we don't see him after this. They 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 knock Kong off the bike. They they beat him up a little bit, but he pulls out a pocket knife and does like a little spin around on the ground move where he cuts all of their legs. Um, Fucking severs all of their Achilles tendons and they roll up like lampshades. Not not <laughs> quite. It's, like, it's not it's, that cool. It's so funny because it's like otherwise like a, I, I don't know if they were trying to like subvert uh, some action trope. Because it is exactly that kind of scene where he spins around in the circle, but all he does is give these guys a, like a tiny flesh wound on their yeah. calves <laughs> and distract them for a second so he could just bolt down the alleyway. And they immediately set off in pursuit. He manages, uh, he manages to to shake them off by like jumping into a a tuk tuk like a like a rickshaw or whatever as it's like rolling down the street. So he gets away and he arrives at Joe's and he is lumped up from the beating he took. And Joe is upset. The case has been open, but Kong says it, it broke. Nobody, nobody opened it. It broke because of the, the, the muggers. And so I, I did like this scene because Joe's like, go get a beer from the fridge to hold against your swollen face. Like it's it, it, it's it's the first line is like, oh, he's showing a crack in his icy, his icy demeanor. And he was like, no, he's just trying to get that gross swelling to go down. <laughs> so Kong did see the contents of the case, which is the next dossier uh, for the target for Joe. And Kong mentions that that man is a bad man uh, and asks if Joe is going to kill the bad man. He also asks Joe uh, to teach him, teach me how to do what you do. And Joe grips him up and considers killing him. This is a, a major breach in the layers of protection that Joe has built up around himself. Uh, and, and Kong just repeats his plea that Joe teach him. And so Joe responds by sort of aggressively and threateningly show Kong how to block knife strikes it's it's a fun scene but it is also one of those like action scenes where it's all i i I don't even remember what 
uh, martial arts style it's based off of, but it's all those like rolly wrist and forearm bits. It's supposed to be Wing Chun. Wing Chun. All right. Oh, that, that's cool. Uh, yeah, apparently. Okay. Thanks, IMDb trivia. They they love to do this in action films, but I've yet to see it effectively deployed in a combat sport. So I'm a little dubious on that. It looks pretty, though. And the scene is entertaining enough. And so, like, Joe goes through these series of blocks with Kong, and then he turns to walk away and then goes to hit him with the knife again, and Kong immediately goes through. It's a very karate kid fucking bit at the end there, where Kong sort of does it on instinct. Um, and Joe explains that that was his first lesson. So after this, we get a bit of inner monologuing where Joe is pondering why he didn't just kill Kong. He thinks it's because he finds some similarities between himself and Kong. And then we get a training fucking montage. I love a good montage. Oh, Do man. you guys like montages? I yeah. love a montage. It's a good montage. My favorite bit from this is that Kong is bad at firearms the reason why this is my favorite bit here is because it looks like they are just outside the back of the apartment joe is renting shooting into the building next door (laughs) (laughs) he's literally he's like standing outside of one building facing another domestic building like a residential building and kong is just shooting the fucking wall Missing these like lined up watermelons that they had. Yeah, missing wildly. Yeah. 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 Real bad. <laughs> um, Kong also provides Joe some context on this next target, who is a sex trafficker of some sort. As uh, Joe burns the dossier, we see that this guy is supposed to die at a hotel and it's supposed to look like an accidental death. So the next thing we see is Joe sneaking through a a hotel suite that is dark and he is nearly seen when he approaches the bed and a woman sits up in the bed. Turns out the target's not there. He's out by the pool with another woman and a bodyguard. So the target goes for a late night swim, uh, which if you have a setup like that, I fucking get that seems like it's fun and relaxing. Yeah. Joe somehow manages to slip into uh, the pool unseen by the guard and the target and the woman and pulls the man underwater to choke him unconscious and let him drown was my initial thought. But that's not it looks like Joe just fucking chokes him to death and then leaves him underwater, which an autopsy is going to reveal that he didn't die by drowning. Joe, that's sloppy work. You got to get you got to get some uh, water up in those lungs. Yeah, um, I, I thought the same thing. I'm just like, what? Like, I figured he would, like, dive down and be like, I could, like, hold my breath longer and, like, maybe drag him under and just start, like, punching his stomach to kind of make him breathe or something. That would have been a good idea, too. Or just yeah. choke him until he's unconscious and then let him go. And then when he comes to, after he sucks down a couple of lungfuls of water, choke him out again. You're done. Easy peasy. Anyway. This is a minor thing to get hung up on, but I did notice it. So I'm sharing it with you, the listener. (laughs) Kong is in the middle of training uh, when the news comes on that this target died in his pool. Then we see uh, Joe and Kong sort of doing calisthenics, like fucking stretching and shit and doing pushups. And Kong is asking Joe questions that Joe is kind of like, 
uh, reluctant to answer. Like he's agreed to teach this kid, but there is some obvious. I think the whole point of this scene is Joe's reluctance to opening up in any way, shape or form, even to relatively benign, non-personal questions. Right. Like to him, like I would think he'd be fine answering questions like I'm just going to kill you in like 36 hours anyway. Who cares? Well, I think Joe has effectively abandoned that when he doesn't kill Kong for calling him out as a hitman. The concept of offing him at the end of the job is effectively over for the moment. All right. Right. Yeah, that's how I read it as well. Uh, Joe goes back to the pharmacy and there is a great scene here where Joe is like stalling before he goes into the pharmacy and there's a lady it looks like she's just got a gigantic mortar and pestle but she looks like a street like food vendor and he's like trying to feign interest in what she's doing and she holds up some squid or octopus thing in front of him (laughs) and is like huh and he's like no (laughs) he walks into the pharmacy no never mind i'm good no, I would have been like, yeah, yeah, hell yeah, what are you gonna no, do with me, that? I, I, Fuck I, yeah. I would have been all in at that point, but presumably because they don't play this out anymore, I'm assuming the street vendor just threw the fucking cephalopod into the gigantic uh, mortar and pestle and just crushed it to into whatever mash she was making. <laughs> we got no glimpse of the cuisine, and I'm it's very like upset. Squid about sausage. That. <laughs> so, um, Joe, with the help of uh, the pharmacist co-worker invites her to dinner. Uh, she accepts and we see them at a nice restaurant, which is another very funny scene because everything Joe is eating is like the spiciest thing he's ever eaten. He is fucking sweating. He is having a hard time with this. I mean, this has some good advice, though, like the, she hands him the Thai basil, like eat this and it cools it down i'm like yeah that that's what you do a little bit of thai basil actually does cut the spice oh that was thai. i thought it was mint i thought it was mint leaves no it was definitely thai basil my mom actually grows that and she's always like what do i do with this i know it looks pretty in my garden like you eat it make a pesto it's delicious use it if you're eating something real fucking spicy apparently well she likes spicy food to begin with She, she doesn't need the uh the spice cut or anything like that gotcha so so uh the pharmacist is is nice to 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 joe uh giving him uh the the thai basil uh leaves to eat and uh joe's like oh that that's 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 much better but then she immediately pours him a bowl of soup that he eats and he's like it's spicy again <laughs> <laughs> And she fucking laughs at him and hands him the entire sprig uh, uh, of it, which is funny. So the scene plays as cute. uh, And it is if you can get past the fucking weirdness of the situation, which is a several layers deep communication issue uh, between these two people. But everybody seems like a consenting adult, so I'm not going to read into it too much. We cut uh, in between scenes of Kong and Joe training and Joe hanging out with his new romantic interest. At this point, Kong goes back to the club. uh, And as soon as he goes in, he gets assaulted with advertisements for goods and services. Here are examples of what he experienced right now. It's very harrowing. Please, uh, warning for all of our listeners.
Okay, for those of you paying attention, the content warning is now over. We can go back to the movie. Whew. Scary stuff. Yeah, that was um, like one no. of those YouTube videos that says skip ahead to this moment to, to cut out the stuff you don't want to hear about. Yeah. Yep. We needed that. You mean yeah, skip absolutely. Uh, yeah, we put in trigger warnings for our listeners that are triggered by uh, capitalism. It's very understandable. So, uh, no, Kong goes back to uh, the club and he gets the number of the dancer he's been hitting on this whole time. Good for him. You go, Kong. Happy for uh, him. Yeah. Well, I mean, for now. We're happy for him for now because uh, it doesn't play out super great. So the gangsters seem to get curious to know more about Joe and set about following Kong after his most recent pickup. Kong, however, uh, notices that he's being followed. So um, I missed expanding on a bit earlier in the film. Might as well get it out of the way now because it comes into play several times. It's kind of a minor bit, but it is a repeated bit. So here you go. When Joe first starts training Kong, he uh, is like walking him down the street and talking to him about the uh, observational abilities that you need to have in this line of work. Primarily, he describes where they are as uh, now he might be talking about cities in general, but in this specific example, he says, this is a city of mirrors. You've got, you know, panes of glass, uh, side view mirrors on Vespas, puddles of water. You can see everywhere you got eyes in the back of your head. So Kong uh, took this lesson to heart and was cognizant of his surroundings and realized he's being followed by a vehicle. So he calls Joe, who is hanging out with the pharmacist and is feeding a fucking elephant that's just on the street of a city. But in the weirdest way, because he's just chucking the fruit at it, which is very he funny. Throw a banana. Yeah, he just threw yeah, a banana in, I, in his general direction. Yeah, describing it as him feeding an elephant was a fuck up on my part because I didn't see him successfully feed this elephant shit. I saw him bounce a fucking banana out of the thing's mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, no successful feeding. Uh, but there's a touching scene where the, uh, the, the pharmacist takes his hand and uh, puts it on the elephant's head. So uh, uh, Joe gets to pet an elephant. Uh, that seems like a you know, uh, a life experience. Uh, but then he gets this call from Kong, right? Um, Kong tells him he's being followed and Joe directs him to go down to the ferry, uh, open up the case, drop the cell phone in it and ditch it, which Kong does. Uh, the gangsters retrieve the case uh, from the group of children who pick it up and start fighting over it. And then after bringing it back to the head gangster, the boss, uh, the cell phone in the case starts ringing. I did think this bit was funny, but I didn't. I, I I found it funny in general, but it seemed like an out of context joke because the phone in the uh, the briefcase starts going off, and we get a solid thirty seconds of everybody at this packed dinner table. It's like family dinner night or whatever. Everybody looks at their cell phone in turn. We get like four different camera cuts of people like <laughs> looking at their cell phone before they open the briefcase. It gave me a chuckle. I'm not sure if it was played for laughs, but it was it's kind of it was excessive. Good. Yeah. To the point that I, I, I found it funny. Um, so they open the case and answer the phone, and Joe asks to talk to the guy in charge. When the guy takes the phone, Joe tells the man that he broke the arrangement. And if he uh, if Joe sees his men trying to follow him again, Joe will kill the gangster's wife, 
who is at the dinner table and has a red laser sight trained on her temple, which is uh, pretty chilling. Joe put this together real fucking quick. That's a yeah. bit scary. That would that would scare me. I'd be like, all right, I'm done following this guy. You know what I mean? That's enough, right? Yeah, I can just trust this guy, I think. Like, let's just let's just chill out a minute. It seems perfect. Like, all right, that part seems scary. But so far, he's been professional. And you step out of the bounds of the agreement. And he gives you a warning like that. Now, that's a stern warning. Yeah. But there's no actual lasting consequences. I would learn my lesson, personally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So later, Joe goes to have dinner at the uh, pharmacist's house, where presumably her mother is as as well. Yeah, in the uh, the original version, it's actually this great running bit where the it's the grandma, because the uh, Kong is the deaf-mute assassin in that version, and he's hanging out with an, a pharmacist who can speak, and the grandma's always like, he's so polite, he doesn't talk much, and the pharmacist keeps being like, he's a deaf-mute grandma, and then she's <laughs> like, why did he say hello to me? It's not hard to say hello, and then she's like, he's a deaf-mute grandma. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's, That's a good that bit. That is very good. Uh, we don't get we don't get an equivalent bit in this one. No. <laughs> um. <clears throat> so, <laughs> uh, this night it storms and uh, the pharmacist pantomimes to Joe uh, that her name means rain. So Fawn means rain. Is that what yeah, that is? Apparently, Fawn is her name. Uh, I don't. Uh, again. Don't really have the context for Thai films, so I don't have all of that like uh, linguistic metaphor that you kind of get from watching like a lot of cinema in one culture, where eventually you'll start picking up on oh, this may this name has a symbolic meaning that is consistently used. So I can't really confirm or deny, but that seems to be what the movie's telling us. I don't think Fawn's name is used at any point in the film. I call her the pharmacist up till now, and I call her Rain from here on out. Yeah. Uh, because that's it. That's all I got from the movie. So uh, Joe goes back to his place after this date and he he moves the elephant painting like Kong had originally suggested. And he tosses the hotshot kit uh, that he got in one of the first return cases. So uh, the gangsters send uh, Joe the next dossier without trying to pull anything this time. Um, and Kong and Joe set off to find the target playing the part of tourists in a boat in this canal. So the setup is relatively slick. They look like a, like a tourist and a, a local tour guide. Uh, and Joe sets up a silenced pistol underneath some flowers at like the head of the boat. And they're supposed to pass by the target. And Joe's just going to pop a silent shot at him, uh, killing him. And they will continue on uh, and nobody will notice. It seems like a solid enough plan. I can't uh, I, I feel like I've done this maybe once or twice in a hitman game, uh, but I can't say for certain. Yo, I was 100 percent thinking through most of this movie that uh, Nick Cage is not very good at playing hitman video games. <laughs> he didn't dress up as a chef one time. Not a in this single time. Movie. He did not throw a cleaver to get his kill. He didn't throw like, a cleaver. You got to throw bananas at people. It doesn't fuck down. with an F1 uh, car and make it blow up. <laughs> None of that cool shit. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's very different from the Hitman games. 
but except for this next part, this next part is exactly like most of my missions in a Hitman yes. game, <laughs> which I did appreciate. So he said he has this whole plan set up. It's great. He's getting ready to take the shot and somebody like grabs uh, them, their boat and tries to sell them something uh, which fouls the shot. And even worse, the target gets a glimpse of something he does not like. Maybe it's the barrel of that silencer or maybe it's just, uh, you know, a weird looking tourist, but he, his, his hackles are raised. He is suspicious. So of course the target takes off. And uh, now we get a, a great boat chase gunfight scene. There's a lot going on here. I'm not going to describe it bit beat, beat by beat because I was enjoying watching it. That's that's how this works. Yeah. So after after the target takes off, Kong and Joe park their boat. They commandeer another boat. They take off in pursuit. Joe gets on a fucking motorcycle at one point. It jumps uh, off the motorcycle into the other boat. Into the other boat. And the motorcycle crashes and we get a fireball. This is this is some solid action movie. Yeah, shit, this is right? some good action. Yeah, shit, absolutely. And it's got a great payoff. It does. Because it gets even better from the fucking motorcycle explosion because Joe lands on the target's boat. Like all of the henchmen are gone at this point. He pulls up the propeller motor and chops <laughs> off the target's arm. And it looks like it's all practical, too. Yeah. With the propeller of the boat, with the, the his hand still holding <laughs> I the I think they had a gun. little animatronic because the hand was still moving after yes, it, uh, it fell on the yes. boat. The little this twitches. was one of the two kills that I loved in this movie. This one and then a later one. And it ends with my favorite scene in the movie, which Joe takes his pistol um, and he uh, he shoots the target dead. But when he starts taking those shots, the camera angle uh, switches to underneath the boat and we see like a trio of bullets pass through the target, through the hull of the boat, and get those beautiful trails in the water. Which I go liked... further than they should, because sure. as Mythbusters proved, bullets pretty much stop like one feet into the water. Sure, but I'll tell you why I appreciated this scene. Because it's cool looking. Right? It's not just that it's cool. It's that every time you get to see bullets whizzing through the water, it's a protagonist failing to get hit by these bullets as they swim under the surface of the water. This scene is, we have all the context. A man is dying yeah. out of our field of view, and we just get what is a beautiful shot with these, these uh, you know, bullet trails through the water underneath. It's sort of divorced from the intimacy of, 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 a, of a murder scene. And I think it plays very strongly into Joe's disconnect, at least at this point in the film, from these acts of violence that he does. Not only does it look great, it serves a very specific purpose because you shouldn't cut away from action in an action movie unless it serves a purpose. And this is my interpretation yeah. of that. I love this scene. And and the fact that the lead up to it is just hyper fucking violence. And then we get an artsy execution scene. I like that. That's a that's a little bit of a, a whiplash uh, for the viewer, but in a good way. Um, 
so Kong catches up like right after the deed is done. And I didn't expand upon this too much in my notes, but despite Kong's a uh, little bit of hero worship and uh, general appreciation for uh, Joe's work, he does seem a bit horrified when he rolls up on all of this. Yeah. But it's a very brief moment, right? Um, Joe gives Kong a case to take back to the dancer courier at the club. And uh, before he leaves, Kong pauses to remark on the individual that they see on the TV screen. He's a dude giving a press conference and he says that this guy is a good man. Uh, he helps the poor. My people love him. He's he's like you. He's doing good stuff to Joe, which and is in just... the, uh, the Bangkok Dangerous 1999. This is the analogous character that kind of like causes the movie to start to break bad because it's the first person that Kong. Well, uh, yeah, that Kong kills in the original version that is not explicitly a scumbag and that kind of ruins his life from there on out understood so oh by the way though the only problem with this scene is it's super ham-fisted oh yeah yeah because you know this dude is the fucking last target you know it as soon as the scene happens you know this is going to be the last target so joe goes to a buddhist temple uh with fawn in my notes rain and he watches her pray and light incense and uh they're walking together afterwards uh that evening uh, and she hands joe a note that says in english i am happy together with you super sweet super touching and she walks on after she hands this to him he pauses to read it almost like she's maybe a little embarrassed or is concerned about what his reaction will be after Joe reads it, he's immediately held up essentially by three muggers. At first, I thought it was maybe like the gangsters trying to pull some shit, but that doesn't track with the overall storyline, uh, which makes what happens next a little more impactful because Joe very quickly disarms and kills all three of them. Yeah. I mean, like with zero hesitation. Rain, uh, uh, Fawn being deaf, doesn't hear any of this, but she gets hit with some blood splatter. Uh, on her back and up her shoulder. <clears throat> and when she uh, she reaches up, she must feel the tactile sensation. She reaches up, touches her shoulder, comes back, uh, looks at her hand, and is covered in blood. She turns around and then sees three fucking dead bodies and Joe standing there. Uh, Plays kneeling. out a little differently in the, uh, the original version since, you know, Kong is the deaf mute and the main character in that one. And like the entire movie, Fawn is trying to figure out, oh, what do you do for a a job? And there's this funny bit where she like makes what seems like a gun symbol. And she's like, are you a gas station attendant? And then (laughs) during this scene, they're being mugged and the guy's patting him down and finds the gun in his pants. And fucking Kong just grabs the gun and bang, bang, bang. Those guys are dead. Fawn runs away immediately. Gotcha. As you do. in in yeah well i mean it, that's a normal fucking reaction yeah very similar in this one uh when when fawn looks back and sees what's going on she fucking stumbles away crying and then flees outright which is smart can't really argue with this so joe goes back to uh his rented place and burns the elephant painting that is going to lose him his deposit uh yeah uh you can't do that yeah you're not allowed to do that Airbnb uh, is very upset. Uh, that, 100%. that that person paid seven American dollars for that. 
Yeah, no, that that host, though, that he's giving him a low rating, man. That's not good. Joe is upset. He's uh, repeating his rules to himself now and building some uh, absurd contraption out of a paint can. Uh, it looks menacing, right? Looks a bit sinister. So um, sure enough, uh, Kong delivers the last target dossier, and it's the very good man that Kong saw on TV. Because, of course, it is. Of co- There was no way it wasn't going yeah. to be. Um, so Joe uh, uh, shuts the door on Kong, shuts him out while he reviews the contents of uh, this particular package and proceeds to plan and prepare for the hit. Uh, Joe considers this last job in his uh, inner monologue with the audience saying, uh, you know, political assassination wasn't part of the contract. So there's two options. You either just get out right now um, or you do it and you get out rich. Uh, And then there's a funny line that I thought was going to have some kind of payoff where he's like, uh, believe it or not, anybody can fucking kill a politician. Yeah, it's the getting away. That's the hard part. I I, thought that that was watching this with a buddy of mine. We just kept talking about Shinzo Abe. (laughs) <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's extra funny because before this, I was referencing the contraption that he built out of a paint can. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get that fucking homemade fallout gun to Shinzo Abe, somebody. The contraption. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we we recently passed the anniversary of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, he he juices the gangsters for more money. Uh, And the gangsters worry about how much Joe knows about them. And they talk about severing all links, including Kong and the dancer who's been acting as a courier, who is now basically effectively Kong's girlfriend of some sort. They 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 have some sort of relationship going on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There's something going on. So Kong leaves his dancer friend and Mm -hmm. goes to meet up with Joe carrying another case after he leaves. Uh, the dancer runs into the gangster's uh, head henchman, right? Joe tells Kong to be at his place tomorrow night at six. Uh, He opens the case, which contains a rifle, just like from the beginning of the film, and it includes a new hot shot kit. So Joe is reconsidering his, uh, his, his new student at this point. While he thinks about that, he considers something else. And uh, what he considers is whether or not he should get one of those uh, fancy mattresses you hear about on podcasts all the time. Uh, he gives us some thought. The what the ad you're about to hear is probably not for one of those mattresses. I don't think we're high profile enough for that, but it's probably for something dumb. Uh, and maybe you'll consider buying it. I don't know. Uh, but if not, just fast forward back to us uh, talking about Bangkok Dangerous. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. 15, First thing, like four times, you'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. Now I heard of the nectar mattress. I never heard of the pine tar mattress. That's a new one. <laughs> it's very That's... flammable. <laughs> That's the only one that we can afford to uh, to advertise on this podcast. Yep. Yeah. Hey I kids. Mean, I, uh, hey kids. Uh, ever just sleep on a pile of hay before? The pros of it are if you don't have you know, renters or homeowners insurance and your house does catch on fire while you're sleeping, you want to make sure you go down with that ship. Pine tar mattress. (laughs) 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 
<laughs> it takes Sorry. extra 10 anyway. minutes to get out of it because you're just stuck to it the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, it's the it's 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 like my bumper sticker. If you're going to hit me, please fucking kill me. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> um <laughs> So uh, the 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 head henchman of the gangster is threatening the dancer's younger sister, which is this is our first introduction to that character. Um, and uh, he forces her to call Kong um, and lure him into a trap. Uh, and she does. And Kong is attacked as soon as he shows up. Now, to Kong's credit, he handily fucks up the first dude that yeah, uh, jumps yeah. him i mean he fucks him up pretty good is about to bash him with a bat of some sort i think it's a cricket bat i'm not entirely sure it was a cricket bat which is a isn't that called a wicket no, no the no. wicket is what you I'm hit the neither, ball at i'm neither it? british nor indian so i have no idea yeah now i'm gonna look this up because i just remember the whole scene from teenage Mutant ninja turtles when he meets casey jones for the first time Oh yeah, that's uh, <laughs> playing at the Mahoning Drive-In in PA this weekend, and I'm a little pissed I didn't take off to go see that. They're doing double feature between that and Secret of the Ooze. Ooh, I love those live-action TMNT movies. Oh, I okay, yeah those. the 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 things that are on either side is called the Wicket. You're correct. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, Kong is prevented from delivering this. Uh. uh cricket bat blow when uh he sees more goons um holding uh his dancer girlfriend uh at gunpoint he's interrogated by the 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 lead gangster trying to find out where joe is staying joe meanwhile is preparing uh for this assassination and it looks like good guy politician is in a parade full-on uh uh, JFK style, <laughs> like an open topped car with his wife waving at a crowd. In fact, nothing like the, bad can happen today. Dude, the fucking parallels when I saw it, I was like, oh, they're going hardcore JFK yeah. vibes right now. Aren't I, I thought I was going to gonna be a second shooter. And, uh, yeah, I thought I was going to have to Zapruder tape this and keep rewinding <laughs> it back, like back into the Looking left. Looking for the second shooter. Back <laughs> into the left. Where the, where the fuck's the, gr- the grassy knoll? Yeah. <laughs> that's the only thing they were like should we put him on a grassy and all he's like no 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 that's too no, no, you put him in the book the uh, book repository <laughs> <laughs> and just give so, him a rifle that's known to misfire yeah <laughs> so um joe gets distracted as he's setting down uh the rifle by all the people who clearly adore this politician kong's words of praise echo in joe's head and then Joe sees himself pulling the trigger, a uh, solid shot at this politician. But then he sees in a flash all of the murders that he's committed so far, not just in the movie, but additional uh, uh, hits that he has done outside of the, the purview of this film, uh, concluding with the ones uh, that ended with Rain seeing him having killed those muggers uh, and running off in tears. Uh, Joe collects himself and looks into the scope again, but before he can make a decision as to whether or not to go through with this, he is spotted by the security team, which is fucking all over the place, like you would expect uh, for a politician, and they just open fucking fire on the building <laughs> that he is in. I don't know if that's fucking protocol. Uh, it is I, now. I, 
I assume some level of covering fire is required and you got to respond pretty quickly, but they just light this fucking building up. There's a bunch of civilians. Their fucking asset is still driving around in a fucking car and they are just firing into this building. <laughs> so uh, Joe uh, flees the scene, right? Uh, he he exit a, exits a door into a hail of gunfire, uh, goes down a fire escape, goes back up the fire escape when cops are ascending from the bottom. Uh, but he manages to get into the crowd that's just sort of running away in a panic. He steals a ball cap from one guy, a camera from another guy, and plays the... He does do the blend in as a fucking tourist bit really well. It's his yeah. best move. So they overuse it a bit, but damn, it is pretty slick when he does, except for the ball cap steal. He steals it from the dude who's looking him direct in the eye and is like, what are you going to fucking do about it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a, is a shame because it reminds me of one of my one of my favorite ball cap disguises in an action movie. Was it which Born is Identity? The, what was that? Born Identity does a pretty good one. No, my favorite one is the first Jack Reacher film. I don't think I've seen any of those. <clears throat> so the books are like popcorn action books. Oh, yeah. They're fucking Tom Clancy, right? I'd say, yeah, they're Tom Clancy. No, it's not so. Clancy. Oh, I thought it was. Are you sure? What the fuck? Double um, check me. I'm almost positive it's not Clancy. Oh, I'm going to double check you right the fuck now. I'm not pretending that I'm above having read Clancy novels, but this is I a know different I'm kind not. of pop. I've Lee, read a pile. Lee Child. Lee Child. Lee Child. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This is, uh, it's, it's, I, I, I call them popcorn novelists. Like you've got Crichton on that list for sure for sure oh yeah um yeah. you got fucking clive cussler if you're into yep. uh like naval warfare shit my, my yep. one uncle knows i like boats so he'll just hand me the pile of clive cussler novels he finished over the past year every christmas and i'm like yeah cool i'll read these once and then put them in little free libraries around the city if you like boats i gotta dig up my fucking uh companion dictionary for the master and commander books Ooh, i just bought master and commander on dvd at goodwill today because i love that movie yeah when i was when i was a teenager somebody got me the books and then my uh i think one of my uncles who was a, a big literary guy is like you're yeah. gonna want this as well and it is a whole it is a dictionary of the terms used in those books yeah because there's a lot of Good. archaic shit that's only used within that context i i legitimately love old sailboats i have like a collection of uh, plastic models i've built of them and shit and a bunch of paintings that i've found at like again goodwills and yard sales and stuff i just think they're neat <laughs> the only thing that sunk in from that dictionary which i haven't read in forever was and i'm probably gonna get this wrong but there's like the term it was like it was like the drowned baby. And it's like describing a fucking pudding, like yes. a, just a dessert <laughs> they used to have on boats back in that time. Does it help prevent against scurvy? No, you need an a, a, I actually just finished reading uh, The Terror a couple months ago. I watched the miniseries. It was so good. The The book, dude. The book was wildly good. Also, oh, yeah. the book was written by Dan Simmons, is the uh, also the dude who did um fucking Angels and Demons and Da Vinci Code, right? No, that's no, Dan Brown. No, no, no. Dan that's Brown. Dan Brown. That's Dan Simmons Dan. is a fucking author. He wrote uh care what the fuck was it called? Is one of my favorite vampire but not vampire books. Uh it was called Carrion Shit. I cannot remember the name of it, but it's about psychic vampires their, their, their whole bit is causing suffering and feeding off of that 
and that gives them is it carrion feasts maybe maybe um, it sounds like the necroscope books from brian lumley which are about alien vampires from another dimension that do that kind of shit no this is oh dan simmons wrote hyperion there yes, you go and also apparently the ilium books which i really liked i didn't realize that was the same dude carrion comfort there's a recommendation for you okay the dude that who wrote Hyperion wrote Carrion Comfort, which is a fucking wild ass vampire book. Oh, no sparkly bullshit. Ooh, hell yeah. One of the one of the vampires is like a former like uh Nazi officer. Yeah, no, this sounds actually very strikingly similar to the Necroscope books, which I love. You should check those out. Depending on when those came out, they probably took a lot of inspiration. They were also book. the 80s. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. But yeah, no, Dan Simmons has written some fucking fire shit. Anyway. I mean, yeah, he wrote Hyperion. That book fucking rolls. I know. <laughs> it fucking whips so much ass. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so uh, Joe loses himself in the crowd. And once he gets clear, he steals a car and uh, takes it back to where he's staying, grabs all of his stuff and prepares to just dip out. This has gone fucking sideways. He's just going to cut and run. Unfortunately, before he's done packing... Uh, the gangster's goon squad shows up at his house. Uh, looks like Joe anticipated this when he was making those paint can contraptions, which we learn are bombs. He drops yes. them down the spiral staircase into the first floor of the, the building that he's been staying in. Love uh, an IED. And they they do what they were meant to do, which is blow the fuck up in spectacular fashion. It decimates uh, the kill squad that was sent after him. Uh, but when he comes down and uh, surveys the aftermath, he sees one of the goons wearing that uh, digital watch he gave Kong at the start of uh, their working relationship. Uh, so he asks him where Kong is. And the guy's like, why does it matter? And uh, Joe's like, because he's my student and shoots the guy. <laughs> I was say, he shoots him right in the fucking head, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Yeah. And so then he turns to the next surviving goon. He's like, all right, so where the fuck is he? He's like, he's with the boss. He's like, all right. So <clears throat> the gangsters are watching the news. Wait, doesn't uh, he kill that the, guy too? If I remember correctly. No. Oh, I thought he did. Okay, sorry about that. No, 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 no. We're we're going to get there. Okay. So um, the gangsters are seeing like the fallout of this failed political assassination, wondering what the fuck is happening. Joe goes to see uh, Fawn. She is uh, he, he like talks to her mother or grandmother or whoever uh, Fawn is in the background in the living room. And Joe makes uh, the same sign of thank you uh, that he did when she first uh, uh, helped him out with the disinfectant or whatever that he got from the pharmacy. And then he uh, walks off. Fawn reconsiders and, and races out of the, the house after him. Uh, but Joe's already in a vehicle uh, driving away, uh, not looking back, uh, both uh, literally and symbolically at this point. <clears throat> so um, Joe rolls up on the compound of the head gangster, and we learn that that the, the gangster who told him where Kong was was kept alive in the trunk of the vehicle for good reason. Uh, this uh, goon is placed directly in front of the camera, uh, in front of the gates uh, and gains Joe access to this compound. And this is where we get, <laughs> we get 
an absurd dismantling of uh, this compound's defenses and and guards uh, by Joe. Joe uses this goon as a human shield uh, and shoots his way into the place. Uh, we see Kong and the dancer are being held together in a locked room somewhere within the compound. And Joe just systematically dismantles this place. He's like hiding in trash, shooting guys out of windows. They've got these spotlights. They're trying to find him. He shoots out the spotlight and shoots them several times. Yeah. This repeats itself. <laughs> it's Metal Gear Solid shit he's pulling here. It's 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 pretty funny. He's walking around in a box. <laughs> he's throwing fucking Playboys in front of dudes to uh, distract him. <laughs> Smuggling he, um, cigarettes in his stomach. Using uh, those cuts- cigarettes to show the lasers. Yeah, he uh, he cuts power uh, to at least a portion of the compound at one point. And then there's like a great scene where he's like sneaking around and like a guard comes through a door in front of a bunch of empty like water jugs for like water coolers. And Joe like shoots him through it and then like knocks down the water jugs and a bunch of guards start running in the door. And this is my favorite portion of this action sequence because Joe just runs away. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that's the correct choice. Sometimes it's, you got to roll that morale check and like fucking book it. Yeah, it's I, it, it's it's funny. The It sticks out in my mind because there's like this like deep like purple lighting in the scene and you got all those fucking re- semi-reflective plastic jugs. And he shoots the guy through him, and then he knocks him down. You get that wonderful cacophony of noise, and then guards just start pouring in that door, and then you just see yeah. Nick Cage just hauling ass down a hallway while guys try and shoot at him. Very solid. Joe finally finds himself in a face-to-face conflict with the main henchman uh, of the gangster boss. They there, there's a weird scene here. They're like trading pot shots with each other. Uh, And Joe uh, clearly empties um, the magazine on his pistol. Like the slide is locked back. He is nothing. And the main uh, the main bad guy is like hiding around the corner. And Joe just holds the pose there with a gun that is effectively useless (laughs) for an absurd amount of time. But when the the gangster guy like looks around the corner, he uh, Joe has disappeared the main gangster guy reloads. He goes to peek back around the corner and Joe is there and, and knocks the gun wide. And now they're in a, a, a hand to hand sort of conflict situation. Uh, and the way this fight ends is uh, probably the most uh, suspension of disbelief breaking moment in the film. Uh, Joe uh, slams the guy up uh, against a door or a wall. And then takes a grenade, pulls the pin, and then oh, wedges it. Oh, I loved it. it. There's no fucking the suspension of disbelief. And the wall, and then just sort of crouches down as the man is blown literally in half. <laughs> yeah, no, it rules. It's so cool. I didn't need suspension of disbelief. It's the rule of cool, baby. I, I, I agree entirely. We get the last scene of the dude just like, just his torso. Like he could have like, knocked the guy on the ground, stood on his back, and then surfed the top half of his body. And I still would have been like, cool. That's still within the context of the movie. <laughs> that would have been real fucking cool. It would have been so cool. It was a badass kill. Do not get me wrong. It's this and the boat kill are the two cool moments of the movie. <laughs> 
I mean, there's some was, other cool stuff, but those two. I was had wondering me, like, what your other up. kill that you liked was. I should have immediately known it was the grenade oh, yes. wedge kill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's perfect. It's everything I love about action. Man got in half. So uh, Joe finds Kong and gives him a gun and tells him to get out of there with his his dancer lady friend, and then goes to kill Surat, the head gangster, whose name. We learned only when Joe was interrogating the dying goons uh, when they attacked his house. Yeah. So that's the head gangster's name. Um, so uh, Surratt is fleeing the scene in a car with his cronies and Joe is in hot pursuit on foot. He like jumps out of a fucking window, slides down some trash and is just firing pistol shots into this car that is for some reason reversing. <laughs> Is just going in reverse to get away, which seems like a bad plan. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, uh, Joe fires into the car, killing the driver. Uh, the car rolls to a stop. All of the gunshots in action here has, has drawn the attention of the police, and they start converging on the scene. Now, at this point, uh, Surratt and his one remaining uh, henchman bodyguard are cowering in the backseat. Surratt is is urging his bodyguard to do what fucking bodyguards do and deal with this crazy man with a gun outside the car, uh, which causes him to, uh, you know, try and pop out and get a beat on Joe, which means he is killed uh, almost immediately. So um, the cops are now forming a perimeter around the location. This is not looking super great as far as escape options are concerned. Surratt is scrambling uh, and tries to grab the gun, uh, a gun from one of his dead enforcers, uh, but freezes when Joe presses the barrel of his pistol against the back of his head. So Joe gets in the car at this point and is holding the gangster at gunpoint. He thinks again about Rain running away from him in fear. Coincidental timing, the dead driver sort of slumps down dead more, like a convenient repositioning of a dead body. Uh, but this causes the car to start moving and it rolls towards the gates uh, where just outside the police perimeter line is waiting. Uh, it triggers the uh, sensor line to open the gates um, <clears throat> and the car rolls out and uh, uh, hits something and, and stops, right? Joe puts his head directly up against the gangster's head and then puts his pistol to his opposite temple. It's, it's not nearly as poignant as the, uh, the 1999 version. And apparently there's an alternate version where none of this shit happens. And yeah. fucking, they, they walk away, I guess. And, and By he gives none him of a this bonus. Shit, you mean what happens directly next, which is Joe pulls the trigger, uh, blowing his brains out, and yes. then the bullet passing into the gangster's head, killing him as well? specifically that yes apparently there, there's some like kong mcguffin bullshit where kong like had a plan and kong saves his ass and then they they get away so the point uh, at, at this point um the seed the scene fades out on kong who is looking appropriately devastated shocked beaten up and then the very last scene of the film and i, I want your guys's take on this i think we see Kong from before all this he looks younger mildly happy he's wearing his his uh bright button down 
and he's just like on a on a dock or a, a, a portion of the uh the Bangkok streets and then the credits roll. Yeah. I have you ever seen a one trick pony in a field <laughs> so happy and free? Have you ever seen that one trick pony? Then you've seen me. So I didn't hate this movie, but I didn't love it either. I didn't hate I I, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. Uh, I did enjoy it. There is stuff to enjoy. I'll, I'll agree with that. There I are... see. I I was bored. Like outside, I, that's how I felt most of it. Outside but of like, like a few like cool kills, like there are times that Josh was talking through this. I'm like, I don't remember any of this. Yeah, and I watched <laughs> this fucker three times. I only watched it the once, but like within the context of the original version, I was able to like kind of remember what happened in the the 2008 one gotcha just because the 1999 one was so much cooler well no because i so like i watched it the first time and i realized like three-fourths of the way through i'm like i don't know how we got here what the fuck so i stopped and i started watching it again and the beginning of the movie stuck and we got to the end i'm just like how the fuck did we get here and i watched it a third time days go by water flowing under (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, the, first of all the scene by scene is I why you guys here? keep me on the paywall yeah yeah uh, well, second of all what i got from this honestly was I, like i i got vibes of like precursor john wick shit right yeah yeah like john john wick leaned way more into world building but all of the other elements of a cool guy protagonist with a Someone lot of who's really good at kill yeah, like a lot of violence, but personal code, but also an underlying sense of, I wouldn't necessarily say morals, but probably... Uh, no, no, no. Uh, M- morals definitely falls into what that means. It's morals are a personal code. Ethics are a cultural code. So I would say morals are the correct term for that, personally. So it's it's ethics of his professional code versus his personal morality. His personal but morality, I even yeah. say that morality came into play here. What it was was his overwhelming desire for human connection. That explains calm yes. and fun. Both of yeah. those. He he saw himself in Kong and he actually felt some human connection with Fawn. And that, I mean, ultimately led to his fucking death. If we're yeah, being because it's him breaking, breaking his rules, which his rules don't necessarily uh, square away with what his morals are. True. I, I think the morals are what shine through and cause him to have those personal correct connections. Whereas his rules, which would be like, like you said, the professional ethics are what might have kept him alive. Yeah. So the moral yeah. of the story is don't have any principles. They will get you killed. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you're a hitman, man. Was <laughs> well, the uh, the Groucho Marx line is like, those are my principles. And if you don't like them, I have others. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Marx brothers. <laughs> But no, like I said, I I, I got real um, laying the groundwork vibes for shit that everybody fucking loves today. Now, don't get me wrong. The John Wick movies are entertaining and enjoyed for a number of reasons. Uh, One of them isn't just going whole hog on uh, this elite assassin trope in the world building, but also 
their fight scenes, which is all done by the guy who witnessed Hollywood gun safety gone horribly wrong in the case of The Crow, yeah, uh, and yeah. then taking a hard line and still showing you can make a badass movie without putting people at fucking risk. Well, so, like a lot of the reason why the John Wick action scenes work is because they have a good cinematographer and the choreographer knows how to do fight narrative. Story narrative and fight narrative are two different things. I think, yeah, Rich, you probably have a good context for this because of pro wrestling. Pro wrestling does fight narrative exceptionally well because it knows that you have to have a certain flow of information in the hits that happen and the the responses to those hits. And right, I think which a lot why, of action movies don't do that well. Right, which is why I find boxing and MMA so fucking boring. Right, exactly, because it's not selling a narrative, it's just telling, it's just a fight, (laughs) exactly. I I think the other reason why they're successful is because they're self-aware enough to make the conscious decision to dive in with both feet, you know what I mean? But in, in fights and the narrative, they're like, this seems fucking crazy, and they're like, yeah, but it's cool, so fucking do it. And then the fight... The fights drag on. They're like, this is fucking crazy. And they're like, yeah, but it's awesome. So let's do it. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I I get hints of that from this. There's like speckled hints of it. It's not cohesive enough that I would consider it an excellent action movie. But I think it's, it's like a C plus. Yeah, it's not bad. I'm 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 honestly willing to It does not uh, get a grant, failing grade. Is yeah, I'm, I'm willing to grant some extra fucking credit just for the boat scene. Uh, yeah, the boat scene that was so alone sick. was very solid and grounded enough. Like it was it was bonkers, but the the movie tried to be grounded with its overall story and action. And so to pull off a scene like that in that context, kudos. Absolutely. What I find really funny, though, is this has better action scenes than the original, but I think the original is a better movie. The original is way more low budget than this. Like to the point where I think there is maybe one, no, there's two scenes where you see a gun go off and then you see the direct response to what happens with that gun. Other than that, it's mostly like just dudes falling over. They did not have money for squibs or uh blood packs or anything like that but they made it work through the editing whereas this i think they made it work more through the special effects in the few cases where i think it did actually work yeah i i, I again without the context of the original uh i do we'll have agree to do a patreon for it yeah yeah uh, uh as far as this one is concerned uh not great not bad solid Fine. middle tier although it wouldn't hit it wouldn't be able to beat any of our middle tier heavyweights, but in this film's defense, our middle tier heavyweights are <laughs> fucking monsters. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's so the middle of the middle. Learn- yeah. I guess what we're learning is that Nick Cage was in a lot of great films and everything lower than that is just, okay. It's fine. It's good. Yeah. It's, it's tough. It's, a, it, it's, it's examining it in this particular context. You realize that you know cream rises to the top and uh uh cage is is 90 percent cream <laughs> yep <laughs> and cash rules everything around me fuck yeah it does and there's our wu-tang reference there's our wu-tang <laughs> another, reference. another well we go to often it's um, because it's for the children they are for the children all right so yeah that's got to close us out for this one rich tell us what's next what, 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 what do we got coming up 
So I, I checked it out, and it's a movie that I have never seen nor heard of, but given the time and looking at this cast list, I have a feeling that this is going to be a movie that one of us is going to love. Is and it me? I, Am I the weirdo that's going to love it? And one and of I, us is going to hate, I, and one of us is going to no, think no, no. it's okay. I'm going <laughs> to fucking hate it because I can already tell, and I'll tell you why. Uh, the movie is called Army of One. Now, the cast list for this, outside of leading Ooh. man Nick Cage, is Rain Wilson. Oh. Wendy McClendon Covey, who uh, people know as the blonde cop from Reno 911. Yeah, 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 yeah. Russell Brand. Oh. Paul, Paul Shear. Fucking Will Sasso. Will Sasso. Will Sasso? Now, this is why I think I'm not going to like it. Josh, what do I bitch about more than anything about this podcast? Will Sasso? No, no. Russell uh, Brand, who is a stupid person's idea of a smart person. Yeah. Yes. No, it's um that I hated the end of eight millimeter because it got recut, right? Yes. Oh, did this have like weird recuts? In a 2020 interview, Cage revealed that the released version of the film was recut by Bob Weinstein without uh, the director's permission, Ooh. and the latter's original version remains unreleased. Oh, bummer. So I'm going to need the Larry Charles cut of this fucking movie. Russell Brand plays God? Yes. No! Yeah. No! This movie fucking... might fuck. Den Dennis O'Hara is in this? Paul yes. Sears' character's name is pickles <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> uh just gonna throw this out there dennis o'hare one of my Klinberg. favorite uh performances of his was uh in michael clayton he shows up for five minutes as the douchiest rich guy who just committed a hit and run you've ever seen and you just get to watch george clooney dress him down in just the most brutal fashion <laughs> yeah, fantastic yeah. scene in a fantastic movie highly recommend all right, so housekeeping is going to be easy on this. And the fucking tagline is absurd. Dude gets a visit from God and decides to go try and kill Osama bin Laden. Yes. Yeah, okay, sure, I guess. <laughs> I'm all in. Also, by the way, old, old-looking Nick Cage beard and ponytail hair. Ooh, that's some good Cage hair. That's all good right. Cage hair. Yeah, that's good Cage hair. I'm, I'm very ready for this film. But I'm, I think, I'm legitimately excited for it. I'm going to enjoy this one. I think I'm going to hate it for the same reasons I hate 8mm because I'm expecting it to be like, there's a movie in there that I would fucking love. I feel like I, I might hate this mess in a way where I also love it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just looking at the trailer with no audio whatsoever. I'm going to love this movie. I'm telling you right now. It looks bonkers and Cage, I get, just from the facial expressions, Cage is it's peak cage I'm i believe it like a a film idea like that I oh think my he's god got some, this guy was a real guy yeah i knew that he cool he went to pakistan carrying a sword pistol night vision goggles a map Wait, and a bio i need i save need it, more context it, on it. the sword save it just it. says sword I need Save to know it. what kind of sword. Is it a scimitar? We are going to dive a... into it on the episode. You gotta leave wanting more, baby. Did he bring Come a fucking on. spy hander? <laughs> I'm throwing us, I'm throwing us right into the outro, All right. guys. Okay. All right. All right. We are going to dive into not only this movie, but this real man's insane fucking life. Next time, you gotta come back. Okay. In the meantime, 
check us out on social media. You can find us on Twitter at cagefight underscore pod. Rich, hit them with the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Nick Cage Fight. $1 a month. Not only will it get you every episode without ads, it will get you this guy's fucking Pakistan sword. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Don't tell uh, him that. That's false advertising. Limitations apply. <laughs> it uh, may be a but, reproduction. But, it might maybe it might be me just drawing a sword on a piece of paper and mailing it to you. We might forge it ourselves. Out I'll of tell you meteorites, what, though. like Terry <laughs> Pratchett did when he was knighted. Yeah, that <laughs> meteorite might just be the frozen hunk of shit that they drop out of airplanes, like in Joe Dirt, a movie we won't be covering on this podcast. You never oh, no. know. You just challenged me. I will find a way. I will find, find the connection. Find it. I'm gonna find it it's the it's the degrees of nick cage degrees of nick cage we're gonna we're (laughs) gonna talk about joe dirt because i have a friend who would love to talk about joe dirt and i think she'd be a fun fucking uh guest star on the podcast there you go also i unironically love joe dirt joe dirt Dirt is very funny (laughs) joe dirt has correct opinions about fireworks it does Shit, now, if we do review that, I've got to recite that entire scene from memory. So I will start working on that while you work on finding the connection. In the meantime, thanks for tuning in, listeners. Check us out next time when we review an insane fucking movie called Army of One. Uh, And as always, please remember, we appreciate you. Bye-bye.